Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 23rd of September, 2022. It is Friday, which means it is a football Friday. We preview a loaded slate of Big 12 action coming your way this weekend. Five games on the weekend that we are looking forward to. All day action, obviously. You have the game tonight between West Virginia and Virginia Tech. Uh, or excuse me, last night that would happen now. I'm, I'm recording this on a Thursday, but game that happened last night between West Virginia and Virginia Tech. We'll look at that on Sunday, but five exciting matchups, two non-conference, three in the Big 12. Hit it from every single angle coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel on YouTube. It's much appreciated. It helps grow this show. Find us wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, and you guys can find us Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those places and more. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So mentioned this earlier in the week, but this is a great slate because it's got a, if you count the West Virginia, Virginia Tech game, because the two games that are, um, you know, we're really talking about is rivalry games are non-conference games, which is very exciting. Uh, obviously, Texas, Texas, Texas rivalry game too. But also you have Kansas-Duke. Toss that in there as a non-conference, which normally is not very exciting, but this week carries a whole lot of weight because of KU's chance to get to 4-0. So you just kind of got to love this slate. And we'll go through it chronologically. I think it's the best way to do it. We've been doing it across the board in different ways, uh, you know, just kind of going to hitting the big games first. But let's just attack these from, you know, from start to end because as we hit conference play – I kind of like to watch games. I mean, that's how we watch it, right, as the day unfolds. And this one's a good one. I will say that this, there's not a whole lot of staggering happening here. Um, we have three 11 a.m. games, which I don't love, but I guess that's kind of the deal this week. So 11 a.m. on ESPN2, number 17, Baylor travels to Iowa State. And I think that we have uh, some legitimate questions here about this this Baylor Bears team. Iowa State coming in two-and-a-half-point favorite. They have not lost at Jack Trice Stadium in a conference game since 2019. So uh, obviously they've you know they've been while they were up and down last year they're still really solid at home, especially in conference. Well, the Iowa game obviously out of conference game and that performance at home is withstanding. So clearly they can be beat at home, but in conference it's been really difficult, especially once this team gets their feet under them. They're just tough to beat in that building. I think keys to this game, and I've been wondering this. I mentioned this when we talked with Robbie Triano. What happens if a team takes out Xavier Hutchinson? If you take away a guy like that, like what what will the result be? Can they find other ways to distribute the football, especially in that passing game? Uh, Hunter Deckers has 78 completions on the year. 28 of those have gone to Xavier Hutchinson. He's got five touchdowns on the season. And so you're trying to think, all right, like what are the other places they can go? Jalen Knoll has 12. Jarrell Brock has 10. Uh, Sean Shaw Jr. has eight. So th- there is a, you know, there's a group of receivers there that we think could be really interesting. But right now it's a whole lot of Xavier Hutchinson show. Can Baylor shut him down? You know, is the plan to X him out of this game? Um, and also can Baylor make life difficult running the football? I mean, if you if you can stop the run and Jairo Brock and make Hunter Decker sort of beat you in other places that aren't Xavier Hutchinson, you can have yourself a really good chance. Also, I love this test for the Iowa State defense, right? This is a group that lost a lot last year, but still 
you know, they've got guys like Orion Vance that are obviously still there. Miles Purchase and uh, Will McDonald is the big one that we all know is, is obviously still there and has been playing well this year. So they've got a good group. It's just a matter of all right, how tested is, you know, is John Hecox's group been? And can Baylor test them through the air? That was a big problem that Baylor didn't really do against BYU is um, the vertical shots just weren't there. They tried to run the football. They stayed committed to running the football. And I'm curious if that will be – if the commitment's going to be there again. Once again, like I, I think the challenge for Dave Aranda and for Jeff Grimes is I know last year's team was awesome at running the football and playing defense. But when you make the change – uh, at quarterback to Blake Shapin, the whole point was he does make your offense a bit more dynamic. And so with that, you, you know, you really hope that uh, you start taking some more shots and not be as conservative. I know they love what they've seen from Reese so far with Tay McWilliams out. I mean, he had a monster game uh, it, it last week. And so he kind of seems to be the, the featured back at this point, Richard Reese, uh, 34 carries for 237 and five touchdowns on the year. Craig Williams had a good year too, as is Quaylen Jones. And so it's been a kind of a group by committee that they have. And then obviously the speedy Monterey Baldwin is somebody to watch too. But yeah, I mean, is the same commitment going to be running the football? Do they trust these receivers like Hal Presley and Monterey Baldwin down the field? Uh, you know, Ben Sims seems to be the big target I like so far. I mean, what does this passing game look like? Is it good enough to take the shots down the field or does it not have those skill guys who are well-developed enough yet to take those shots down the field? That's something I was wondering before the season. It's why that Baylor's preseason ranking felt high to me because they're switching quarterbacks. They've got a new running back and the offensive line's the same, but at the wide receiver position, you're not really sure what you're getting. So if you're trying to shift your offensive philosophy, to, not totally, obviously still running the football, but if they want to take more shots, those guys are unproven. You got some questions there about how good that's going to be. So I'm leading Iowa State in this game, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's an Ames. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a really close football game. And I hate a big guy hedges, but like, I, I think it, with this game being a Jack Trice with Blake Shape and obviously one road start under his belt uh, against BYU, and it, it didn't go great um, in the end for them. You know, I think that's obviously that's a big help, but it's still a difficult environment to go into. And these guys have not, you know, this group right now has not won the road game together yet. So I think, you know, if, if it was TCU maybe on the road for Baylor in the first game, right? Or if it was a, um, I don't know, even even Kansas, right? Like even if, uh, if they were going to play KU on the road, like I would kind of favor that over. And then, I mean, once again, Kansas can have a good environment this week, but I would favor that over, uh, and the home crowds make a difference. I'd favor that over going to Jack Trice and Iowa State. I know it's 11 a.m. kickoff, but that place is always rocking no matter what time of day. So I'm going to go with Iowa State at home. And I, I think this Baylor team, like, you know, I was wondering how much they'd show me in that loss. And I, I want to see if they correct the problems, but because Iowa State's track record is so good at home, I'm going to go there. Iron Skillet game, 11 o'clock, ESPNU. TCU is one and a half point favorite over the SMU Mustangs. So uh, quarterback, you know, it sounds like it's going to be Max Duggan. Um, I want to see them get Quentin Johnston going this year. I'm curious to see how much they're going to run the football and use Max Duggan in the running game. They kind of stick with the offensive plan that Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes kind of wanted for this team originally. Very curious there. Uh, I like SMU at home. I like the fact they actually played last week. I know TCU's had a week off and they have film, but – I kind of like the fact that SMU is going to be at home. They're going to have revenge in their mind. Rhett, Rhett, you know, Rhett Lashley did coach for Sonny Dykes. There's that whole angle to this. So another one of those games where I'm going to take the home team in this one. 
but it's really it's a fascinating game. I've not been as high on TCU coming to the season. And look, like I, I was pretty honest about the Colorado game. It was nice to beat a power five team on the road, but Colorado is probably the worst power five football team. And uh, that, you know, TCU had a nice, it was a good performance against them, but like how much did it tell us about TCU? And I've got some questions about that defense for sure. I mean, that was a, it's a defense that returns a lot of guys back, but it's also a defense that wasn't very good. And so this will be a first test. There are always a lot of points in this game. So it's a, in a pointsy game like that, I'll take the home team plus the one and a half. All right, wrapping up the 11 a.m. slate. Once again, three games at 11 a.m. Central time. This one, 11 a.m. on FS1. It's Duke at Kansas. The Jayhawks are looking to get to 4-0 for the first time and God knows how long. They're 3-0 for the first time since 2007. They might have gone 4-0 that year, too. Um, but they play Duke in what is a fascinating game, right? This is the, the battle of a basketball school, of two basketball schools, rather, um, coming together to play a pretty important football game where both these teams have done well so far this year. KU is 3-0. Duke is 3-0. Now, Kansas is 3-0 is a bit more impressive. They went on the road to Morgantown to get that double overtime win, and also they went on the road to beat Houston. And then uh, for Duke, it's Temple, uh, Northwestern, and then NCANT. So not saying those are bad wins, but you're a bit more impressed with what you've seen from the Jayhawks than what you've seen. Now, once again, I, I'm Mike, I'm a Mike Elko guy. I like him a lot. I thought he was really good. He's been good wherever he's gone, to be honest, uh, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, interested to see what they've got. Riley Leonard at quarterback is completing over 72% of his passes, nearly 73%. So this is a guy that's been pretty efficient so far this year. And the running attack has been really good. They run for almost six yards a carry. So we'll see what they have in the way of, of, uh, playmakers, um, as well. I'm curious to see what they do on, on that front, but yeah, I think Kansas, because their ability to outscore teams, it just, I'd like to see them start fast. Like they really have not started fast in these games, you know, the um, Tennessee Tech withstanding the Tennessee Tech, they didn't start fast against West Virginia. They didn't start fast against Houston. I've mentioned it before. I made the analogy before. They know the fighter has to get knocked down them to really get going. I would like to see them uh, be the ones doing the punching to start off as opposed to getting punched to start off. And, you know, you're kind of worried about a letdown at home with big atmosphere. But, um, you know, they should be – I hope they're ready to go uh, in this atmosphere, and I'm excited to see Jalen Daniels and company and that running attack and the way that they spread the field and they spread the ball around. Been fantastic so far. And looking to see the defense improve. I think this is a good opportunity for the Kansas defense to show what they have. They've been tuned up a bit by both the teams they've played. I know they've made some big plays. They've had a couple really massive interceptions that have really helped turn tides of games. Obviously, the one from Jacoby Bryant was a pick six that wins the game. Uh, but the one from Kenny Logan kind of helped turn the tide last week. But can the defense just be more solid? Can they, you know, can they uh, play a game where they kind of keep a team, you know, quiet for a large portion of it, but instead of giving it up in in large portions during the games? So I'm going to take the Jayhawks lay the seven and a half. I'm actually not too worried about this one right now. I kind of like seven and a half for Kansas. All right, quick word from our sponsors on today's show. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up college football season. Uh, you guys, it's so easy to get started. Go over there now, underdog, and download the app or go on the website as well. Sign up, use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on. It's one word. And underdog will double your first deposit. Uh, your, so we've deposited 100 bucks. We'll give you $100 to play with free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store and Google Play Store. Uh, it's Underdog Fantasy. 
promo code locked on to get in on the college ball pickup action today. Sip a quick sip of water. All right, folks. Oh, no, we're not doing that again. This one is at 2.30 on ESPN. Very interesting game here. Number 22, Texas, is laying six and a half at Texas Tech. Now, we heard some good good news, good news, good news on the Quinn Ewers front, right? It sounds like um, he is going to be ready to go a bit faster than we thought. I don't think we're going to see him uh, in the game against Texas Tech, but it sounds like Quinn Ewers is back to football activities. So he's, you know, going to be able to start resume throwing, wondering about practice. We'll see, but it's nice to hear that Quinn Ewers is going to be able to come back because I, I know we don't all love Texas and OU, but I want to see what this Texas team can achieve here in 2022. And I would hate for them to kind of take that step forward. Like this feels like it's almost natural progression, right? Five and seven. It's clear this team is taking a step forward, but like if they were knocked off by a quarterback problem or quarterback injuries, that would be upsetting. Um, and so, you know, they'd finish like seven and five, whatever. I think the faster they can get Quinn Ewers back, the faster we know what kind of team uh, they really are. And they've got a tough tex- test in Texas Tech. So I think the one thing uh, we did prop the top of yesterday on Big Ten or Big 12 radio where I give like props, I make up, and I said, pick a team to score a special teams or defensive touchdown. I picked Texas because the pressure they can dial up by making guys uncomfortable, making quarterbacks uncomfortable. Like, I think that's the thing you have to do is Donovan Smith and this offense, really, there's a lot of volume, right? So much volume in the passing game. That's how he's able to throw three picks against Houston and kind of keep coming back. Not as good last week, uh, Donovan Smith, especially those couple interceptions, just you know, not good decisions for football. So I think this week the, the key for them is to see if they can continue to heat up uh, opposing quarterbacks. And I think if they heat up Donovan Smith, they could be in good shape. Hudson Card manage the game and i think this will be another situation where yeah you can run you know you can obviously cards not a bad player i think he's kind of returning to health you're kind of curious still how healthy he is but this isn't one of those games where look the, the tandem of backs Bijan and roshan you should rely on them i've said it a bunch i'll keep saying it i think this team their best version is when they can spread the ball everywhere but they can't do that right now with just uh with hudson card being a little hobbled and banged up and Obviously, you know, Isaiah Nahor is, is, is not playing for them right now. And Jaleel Billingsley gets a suspension. And so you're, you're kind of curious, okay, like, you know, Jordan Whittington, obviously, Xavier Worthy is there. Um, uh, love the way that I'm t- totally forgetting on, his, on uh, Jatavian Sanders has looked too. And obviously the running backs you can f- uh, facilitate the ball to. So I'm curious of how much that passing game, how, you know, how much balance will it be? Or are they going to try to run this ball straight at Texas Tech? It's been a, it's been a pretty solid Texas Tech defense. So far, other parts of the Houston game, they gave up a little bit, but I think I like the way the defense looks. I, I I really liked it last week against NC State. Like I actually thought they played a pretty good game. They made, they made NC State work for it. So um, it's a compelling matchup. The six and a half, you know, has has me worried. I've, I've kind of been on favorites a bunch. Well, no, I have I have Iowa State and SMU, so I've got uh, a favorite and a dog, and then Kansas minus seven and a half. I'm taking a lot of the favorites here. Um. I mean, it feels like this game could be close. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Texas Tech plus the six and a half, plus the points. I think Texas wins the game. Not sure if it's a late cover or whatever it is, but I, I feel like six and a half is enough to justify. Look, if this thing jumps to seven, I would I would get all over it. But still, six and a half is enough for me to to sign off on that. 
All right, last game, 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Oklahoma, number six team in the land, hosts Kansas State. This game, to me, is probably the most interesting game of the week because uh, I'm really curious to see what Kansas State looks like. Also, they've gone to Norman before and gotten wins after a bad loss. I think the game after Arkansas State was a Norman. I might be wrong, but they beat no you after losses really is my point here. And we heard Chris Kleiman talk about it this week, the passing game. Like they, they need to take more shots. They need Adrian to be more confident. And he said that was there in fall camp. Um, it's really funny because we've really we've knocked Adrian Martinez for his last his lack of risk assessment and risk management in the past. And now there's none of that. Like the reason I don't think Adrian Martinez is great is because he can make plays for you, but he takes too many chances and he's too loose with the football. Well, it, if you dial all that stuff back to a point where there's no risks being taken and you're not throwing the ball downfield at all and you're not stretching defenses and you're not using all parts of the field, you know, like teams can just load up on you and Deuce Vaughn. And Martinez is a good runner. Vaughn's an excellent player. But, like, what's he supposed to do, man? Like, when a good eight-man box is a good eight-man, good eight-man box and they're pushing you around a little bit, I know it's a good offensive line, but, like, they got pushed around just a bit against Tulane. They really did. And Oklahoma is going to have that ability to push them around after where they pushed Nebraska around. No, it's not as good of a team, but I don't think Oklahoma is taking this lightly at all. Like, I think they understand their history with Kansas state. And I think they understand like Kansas state should throw the kitchen sink at us this week. Uh, and that's why 13 and a half is a pretty big number. Cause I can see this thing staying close. And then you factor in the Kansas state defense, which has been fantastic this year. And you kind of think, well, like, even if the offense for Kansas state doesn't play that well, keeping this thing within 13 and a half is within the realm of possibility because of how good the Kansas state defense is. Now OU's offense, you know, all it takes is like a couple scores, uh, you know, uh, two scores and three drives. Right. And all of a sudden you're down 14 and your offense doesn't have many answers. So achieving that 14, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of or achieving the cover, I guess you could say, might be a little bit easier than I, um, I'm kind of uh, saying it is here. That's why this line is really curious. And that's why I've got no clue. Like th- there is a scenario where Kansas State comes out and they look, you know, uh, anemic, just the same way they had before. And it's just Deuce Vaughn. And they're relying on him too heavily. That's in play. There is a situation where they start taking shots and it works. And, you know, the offense looks like it's a functional offense. Not saying they start going gangbusters, but it's a functional offense to pair with that defense. And then they, they tuck in the running game too, the quarterback and the running back. And then you, you got, you know, you're cooking with gas at that point. There's a world where they try to take some shots in Oklahoma punches in the mouth for and, and takes advantage of and turns them over and creates, you know, creates plays that way. That's, that's in play too. I, I'm thinking that the offense for Oklahoma against the defense of Kansas state is going to be a, um, not a war of attrition, but I, like eventually Oklahoma is going to get some points. It might be interspersed. It might be the, the dam breaking in the end towards the end of the game, whatever. But the one way that the Kansas State offense can help out that defense is by moving the football, chewing some clock, right? Like this is one of those games where you kind of want old Kansas State back. Like I, I don't think pace for them does them a ton of good unless you're seeing something you can take advantage of the Oklahoma defense. I think kind of more old school Kansas State taking care of the football, uh, taking the occasional shot, running the ball, making them respect that. Like that's the way they win this football game, but they're going to need to take those shots. They can't just – not have that as part of the game plan. Like 
Martinez is going to have to throw the ball, not just the deep ball. He's not throwing passes like over 10 yards. He had one completion for more than 10 yards against South Dakota. He had a couple in the first half against Missouri, a couple nice throws. But after that, you know, I was in the rain, so it wasn't a whole lot. And last week, you know, we're not talking about somebody who was lighting it up in the air last week, really difficult week in the passing game. So I'm talking about like throws of like 10 plus yards. Can we get some of those, please, into the game, into the game plan, all that kind of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, watching that balance, I'm going to go with Oklahoma at home. I, I don't love this 13 and a half because that Kansas State defense is so damn good. So damn good, man. They've given up, uh, what is it, the shutout of South Dakota, 17 last week and then 12 to Missouri. And that game was, you know, it was garbage time whenever they gave that up. They've given up 29 points in three weeks. And I mean, this, this has been a fantastic defense so far. So really not a whole lot uh, to fault there with how they've played. And so I think that, that could keep this thing close. But I, I don't – I there's no evidence right now that tells me we should be trusting Kansas State. They keep this thing close for sure. I think it will be kind of one of those, you know, kind of touch-and-go games. But they have to be get ready to go from the start. This offense is not built to play from behind. They have to accommodate themselves. They can't keep putting their defense in bad spots time and time and time and time again and kind of wait for things to happen for them. They have to get after the beginning. So I'll take the Sooners laying the 13 and a half. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO Big 12. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show or reach podcast. If you guys want to get in on the picks bracket, you can CBS Sports College Football pick them. The group is called Locked on Big 12. The password is Big 12 BIG12. No caps, no spaces. Uh, you guys can join in on the fun there. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe, 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 tap the bell for notifications, like the videos. Let me know what are y'all's picks for week number four in the Big 12. All right, my friends. So next time, as always, stay safe.